it's another episode of D-Listed, the podcast. I'm Michael Kay. And I'm Allison. I wanted to start this show by mentioning the death of a giant, Stephen Sondheim. It was one that gut-punched me. Um, You know, he was 91 years old, and part of me thought he'd lived forever. The other part of me, you know, was was afraid I'd have to write his obit one day. And that happened. It was, I was not ready. He was a such a big part of my life. Like, especially as, as, you know, a kid, I got all into theater. I was all into musicals and he was a god to me. And like some people were asking me, you know, what was your favorite song? I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. What was yours? Okay. Well, I'm going to be completely candid and honest right now. Um, and I'll try to make this quick. I didn't know anything about Stephen Sondheim until 2018. Like I had never heard a Stephen Sondheim song. You hadn't. You had. You've had to have heard a Stephen Sondheim song before 2018. Like you went to school plays. No, we didn't have school plays at my school. Michael, you think you think my school had money and budget for school plays? We didn't have school plays. The only thing I'd ever heard was West Side Story. Okay, and Gypsy, you probably heard. Never. You never watched Gypsy? Never. No, like when I, when I say I didn't know anything, but like I was introduced to Stephen Sondheim through the TV show Documentary Now. They did a parody of the original cast recording of Company called Co-op. And so I was watching that and I loved it. It was one of my favorite episodes. And then I realized, like the person I watched it with was like, oh, this is based on Stephen Sondheim. And I was like, What? And they're like, based on company. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. And then I learned about it and I loved it. And then I started doing more research and being like, oh, Stephen Sondheim did Into the Woods. Stephen Sondheim did um, the uh, Sweeney Todd. Like I had no, I honestly had no idea. It was a name that I had heard of, but didn't know anything about. Oh, yeah. So you knew Into the Woods and Sweeney Todd. Yeah. But I like learned about it afterwards, though. Better late than never. So what was your favorite musical, though? Um, it's a hard one, because honestly, all of them, even yeah. Passions, which some people are like, <laughs> I loved Passions. I loved Sunday in the Park with George, all of them. So it's, to me, such a huge loss. And so I wanted to say a few words about him. So now let's start with, um, now let's get into some royal drama (laughs) still going on. But okay, so we're going to go back to March of this year, which feels 300 years ago, but it was just a few months ago. Yeah, technically. Yeah. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were on Oprah. They're tell-all on Oprah. And during that interview, Meghan said that a member of the royal family had concerns about their son, Archie, who wasn't born yet at the time, um, about how dark his skin color would be when he was born, which is not something you ask about a human baby. Um, Maybe a a roast, a chicken roast, you ask that about, but not a human baby. Absolutely. You need to know how dark it's getting. There's a fine line between delicious and overcooked. 
Yeah, so that's that's a time when you ask, yeah, how dark is this going to be, but not a baby. Um, so it was like a blind item, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Megan would not say. Everyone thought it was Prince Philip because, you know, he's said <laughs> some know. racist shit in the past. <laughs> Poor Prince Philip. Like, literally everybody was like, he's the one, right? Well, deservedly so. He said a lot of, of course. things. Um, sources said it was not Prince Philip or the Queen. Others thought it was Prince William because Prince William's mouth and talks of racism, you really don't go together well. Mm-hmm. Talks of race at all. Like, uh, very recently, he was at the Tusk Conservation Awards. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a... Tusk is an African conservation charity that Pr- Prince William works with. Mm-hmm. And he said at the awards that overpopulation in Africa is a cause of habitat destruction and it's hurting wildlife and that didn't go over well because basically people heard like you african people are having too many babies meanwhile he has three and his family keeps birthing them out yeah and also to a lot of people pointed out on the internet that it just takes 30 seconds on google to realize that's it's the opposite right where like the continent of africa is one that has reasonable childbirth growth and like they're responsible for the least amount of carbon emissions and all this stuff basically it was it was rooted in racism yeah and but it was not him who apparently said this no um it was prince charles allegedly allegedly yes and there's a new book out there's it seems like there's always a new book out about the royals Every year, every Christmas, there's a different book. A hundred books a week, (laughs) practically. So it's called Brothers and Wives, Inside the Private Lives of William, Kate, Harry, and Meghan. It's all about, you know, the brotherly rift between William and Harry. It's by Mm -hmm. Christopher Anderson. And he claims his royal sources are solid. He's been reporting on the royals for years. So he says he knows his shit. He's got people on the inside. Yeah, and he know he, his sources know their shit, and they're not lying. So Christopher claimed that on November 27th, 2017, that's the day that Harry and um, Meghan announced they were engaged. Christopher claimed that on that day, Charles was at breakfast with Camilla and asked her, they were talking about Harry and Meghan's engagement, and he asked Camilla what their ch- children's complexion might be. That is not a question normal people ask. No, but Christopher says Camilla was taken aback by the question. And she said that they'll be gorgeous. So she didn't take the bait. And on another note, so I've I've talked about this before. I'm watching The the Crown right now. And it feels like they're always, their scenes are always at breakfast. They're always having, always (laughs) talking about power moves while eating a fancy breakfast. Well, they've got those little silver toast servers, you know, the like toasty card slot kind of things. One of those is always on the table. Yeah. Always that. Their breakfast looks impeccable. Yeah, they're always talking business <laughs> over breakfast. <laughs> so that's why I buy this because it, it happened at breakfast. Yes, it's definitely if, true. Yeah. If the source said it happened at lunch, you'd be like, mm, mm, I don't know about I, that. I don't think they eat lunch. Needs so, verification. No. They only... They only eat breakfast. But um, Christopher said on the Today Show, and he defended Prince Charles, that it was a benign comment and it was twisted and weaponized by the men in gray. Those are his words, the men in gray. 
Okay. Who does he mean by the men in gray? Christian Gray. Because when Christian Gray is not doing SM stuff, he's a royal gossip. He's starting trouble in the royal family. Mm-hmm. It's like men in black, except fancier. Yeah, but the men in gray are um, high-ranking palace aides. Okay. You know, there's a lot of talk like how there's a lot of uh, toxic shit going on between the teams in the royal family because everybody has their own team. Mm -hmm. So he's claiming that these men in gray, the higher-up palace aides, were starting shit. So he said it wasn't meant to be racist, and it isn't a sign that the royal family is racist. And that the comment was made before Harry and Meghan conceived Archie. So that's that's what he claims. He claims like it was twisted. And a spokesperson for Charles said that the allegation is fiction and not worth further comment. Right. They're always going to say that. They're always going to be like, it's a it's a lie. People are making stuff up. Yeah. What are they going to say? Oh, yeah, it's true. No. Yeah, Charles was wondering. <laughs> They're like, yes, it happened at breakfast. Yes, they were eating a fancy breakfast. Camilla had toast and eggs like she always does. Yeah, they're not going to confirm it. Also, I I do, like, I understand how things could, not that I'm defending it getting twisted because I'm not, but, like, I understand how broken telephone happens. And if somebody was feeling especially shady, they could have been really rude about it. But also at the root of it, though, is still Prince Charles allegedly being like, I wonder what their baby will look like. Complexion. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I wonder complexion. what the baby's complexion. Yeah. It's one thing to be like, to literally say like, oh, I wonder, like, I, th- no, you just say, I wonder, like, oh, it's a baby. That's exciting. Like, there, There's no more than that. Well, what somebody should do, somebody should check Chuck's phone. Do they have phones, the Royals? Yeah, they're like the gold ones that they golden oh, like the little uh, princess ivory. Ones? Yeah, princess one that sits on a little cradle and they pick it up and they're like, "Hello." Yeah, they have the cell phone version of that, the i prince, the i princess phone, and so someone should check that because he may have like downloaded one of those apps, you know, where you can take <laughs> pictures of famous people and put them in. Yeah. And they'll tell you what their baby will look like. He's like, and they always give you two options too. So be like, Camilla, do you think it's option one or two? The one with the blue eyes or the one with the brown eyes? And it's always so blurry, so horrible. The book also claims that William thought Harry was moving too fast with Meghan. Mm -hmm. And that Harry was so hard up for her that it was something that William had never seen before. And that's when their bond got weaker, when Meghan came in. Oh my god, it's like they're basically admitting that William doesn't know what love is. Like, oh, wow. Harry Does he, really, though? He, no, that's, or, yeah, that's what I mean, is that they're like, oh, William got so surprised that Harry got really in, intense with this girl. It's like, yeah, that's what happens when you love someone, William. Yeah, it was it was, it was was foreign to him and yeah. apparently made their, mess with their relationship. <laughs> and uh, Christopher also claims that William and Kate wanted an English rose for uh, Harry. They didn't, you know, want a divorced American basic cable star. They want English Rose. They wanted Jodie Marsh, which who doesn't want their relative to marry Jodie Marsh? (laughs) So that created a lot of um, tension. And but the book claims that what really helped Harry and Meghan with their decision to leave senior real 
senior royal life was something the queen did. You know, like when, you know, like the queen's Christmas announcements every year. Yeah, Christmas Day, it's like a little TV thing. You tune in, she talks about the year. Yeah, it happens every year. So in 2019, it happened, of course. And she was at her desk and there was a bunch of pictures on the desk next to her, uh, next to her on the desk. So there was a pictures of Philip, Charles and Camilla, and William and Kate and their kids. There was no picture of Harry and Meghan and Archie. Right. But the book claims that there was a picture there, but that the queen told an aide to remove it. And the reason for that is because at the time, during Christmas time, Harry and Meghan were in Canada. They were not spending it with the royal family. So that's why the Queen took it out, because they were not there. And Christopher said that the Queen loves everybody in her family, but when it comes to the firm, which is the business of the royals, she's all about the firm. Right, yeah, because her life is essentially like a job 24-7. She doesn't know how to take me time. Well, I get no, I think what they mean is like the the royal address is business. It's not right. some family okay. thing. So she that's why she included the pictures of who she was spending Christmas with, I guess is what he's saying. And so sort of. since since Harry and Meghan weren't there, she's like, Chuck the picture. Yeah. Put the picture in the bin. But <laughs> you chuck it in the bin. Do you think, though, um, do you think she was meaning to be, like, rude about it, though? Or was it literally just, this is, it was like the queen going corporate? I do think it was to send a message. Okay. Harry and Meghan. Because I'm sure at that point, there was a lot of shit going on within the palace. And there was probably a lot of fights, a lot, you know, there was a lot going on. So I think she did it to send a message to them. Okay. I think it I think it's both. I think it's uh it's not either or it's both. I think that she was sending a message being like I don't like what you're doing, so you don't get a special spot on my desk. But also I think it was an easy decision for her though because she doesn't have any of her other grandkids or great-grandkids on her desk. Like the other ones. Yeah, on in that particular setup. Yeah, there were no other it was William. Yeah, like that's Her- it. Yeah, William is her grandkid, and Harry is her grandkid. But like, so is I think what's her name, Lady Beatrice Louise Windsor, Beatrice, the Eugenie one. So they're also her grandkids too, but like they weren't on the desk. So I think it was a little bit of both. I think it was her saying like, I don't like that interview you did, so you get knocked off the desk. But also, I don't have anyone else on here. What interview? It was like the interview that Harry and Meghan did. Um, I believe it was in Africa, I think. Mm. And it was when that was the one where like Harry was like, we're not having a good time and people are super racist towards Megan and we're not protected. And Megan is saying like, I'm a new mom and I feel like shit and like nobody will ask me anything and I don't like this job and stuff like that. That interview. Yeah. So the book claims that that's kind of what made Harry and Meghan decide, okay, we need out of here. And less than a month later, they announced that they were leaving senior royal life. So the palace issued their own statement about the snub, and they said, we don't comment on books of this kind, 
as to do so risks giving it some form of authority or credibility. So they <laughs> checked of this that kind. book. <laughs> Trash they're is like, what they mean. They're like, we will only sanction or authorize beautiful coffee table books with elegant illustrations of the Queen's Gardens, but no, this filthy ass smut grossness. I know. And you know what? She could have avoided all of this. Uh, the Queen could have avoided all of this by only putting pictures of the, her corgis on the table. That's all we want to see. And Jodie Marsh, England's rose, England's finest mm-hmm. rose, the real mm-hmm. Queen of England. Jodie Marsh but, and the corgis. Yeah, but then there might be like some infighting between the corgis and Jodie Marsh. She might be like, my picture was not big enough. <laughs> no, even the corgis know to bound down to that kind of beauty. They really do. So let's move on to another feud. Although this one is really ice cold and pretty one-sided. It's old. Yeah. <laughs> and not family-based either. No, I'm talking about Brittany and Christina Aguilera. Uh, yes, the year is 2021. Check, check your calendars. But okay, so Brittany is free, as we've talked about here before. She was finally freed from her 13-year conservatorship. And she's been celebrating ever since. Oh, yes. It's a nonstop party for Brittany. Yeah. And so uh, she's also been calling out people. She's been doing that for a while. She's called out her family, including her father, her mother, her little sister. And she called out Christine Aguilar on Mm -hmm. Instagram. Of all people. But before we decide, Allison, if Extina is guilty or not guilty of Mm -hmm. first degree rudeness, Mm -hmm. let's go over the evidence. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So after Britney was freed, right, many mm-hmm. celebrities and other pop stars were asked about it. I think mm-hmm. everybody was asked about it. I think I would see headlines like the Wendy's logo was asked how she feels about Britney being free of her conservatorship. Yeah. Santa Claus gives exclusive yeah. interview from the North Pole <laughs> asked about Britney Spears' conservatorship. Everybody was asked. So, of mm-hmm. course, at the Latin Grammys... Extina was asked on the red carpet, and it was very awkward. So Extina was talking to a group of reporters, and her publicist, he stepped in to say that they were wrapping up the interviews. Right. He wanted to get her out of there. Yeah, because the show was starting, whatever. She had to get out of there. And then one reporter quickly asked about Britney's conservatorship. And Extina looked at her publicist real quick And then he stepped in and said, we're not doing this today, (laughs) and whisked her away. And as he was pulling her away, she turned around and said, but I'm happy for her. Brittany, have you had any communication? Have you guys had any communication? No, we're not doing that tonight. I'm sorry. Thank you. But I'm happy for her. Brittany was not happy about that. Um, Mm -mm. She posted the clip in her Instagram stories and added the note I love, a, a, I love and adore everyone who supported me, but refusing to speak when you know the truth is equivalent to a lie. 13 years being in a corrupt, abusive system, yet why is it such a hard topic for people to talk about? I'm the one who went through it. All the supporters who spoke up and supported me, thank you. Yes, I do matter. And it was very obvious that it was towards christina like it wasn't a yeah she posted the clip of, yeah with the yeah note. like it, yeah it wasn't like an implied kind of thing or yeah she was directly calling her out yeah she was calling her out and then to further call her out um britney posted another clip 
of Gaga, Lady Gaga, talking about Britney at a House of Gucci premiere. And Gaga said that Britney is an inspiration to women everywhere and said that, you know, women in the in, in the music industry deal with a lot. You know, she gave a lot of words of support. And Britney, right after the Christina clip, posted that clip and thanked Lady Gaga for being supportive and it was basically a message to Extina, like, yeah, have a came, seat, because this is how you do it. She came through with a reference and an example. Yeah. She's like, study this for next time, if you're on another red carpet anytime soon. Yeah, this is your Cliff's Notes. Read it a couple mm-hmm. times. Okay, but I have some evidence for Extina's defense. Okay. okay. So when Britney told the court back in June that she wanted out of her conservatorship, Extina tweeted one of the most heartfelt message of support to her. So this is just some of what she wrote. It was a few tweets, but this is some of it. So it is unacceptable that any woman or human wanting to be in control of their own destiny might not be allowed to live life as they wish. I promise you she deserves all the freedom possible to live her happiest life. My heart goes out to Brittany. She deserves all the true love and support in the world. So that sounds sincere. Yeah, it's, it as, came as out totally sincere. Yeah, as a jury member that's deliberating on this, I I will admit that that feels honest and true. Yes. And I don't know if Brittany saw that, forgot about it or what, but she said that. And also, again, Extina's publicist cut the interview short already and then dragged her away. So Allison, based on all of the evidence I mm-hmm. present before you, is Extina guilty of rudeness? Okay, well, first of all, I need to stress that I slipped through the cracks because I am a Extina stan, and so I should have been weeded out during jury selection for my inherent bias. Miss Child, Miss Child. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> I'm taking it to appeals. No, but saying saying that and but trying to be as unbiased as possible i don't think i think that britney is angry and she's every right to be angry at stuff but i feel like maybe this was misdirected i think christina did what she could and i think that maybe she should have like told her publicist and said like stop i want to talk about this but also she was kind of being pulled away and we don't know what her relationship with her publicist is like maybe it's tumultuous I don't know. But I I think that she could have said more, but I also think that maybe she didn't deserve to be called out like that. So you you are ruling in favor I'm of Extina. I'm ruling in favor of Extina. Actually, I think I might have to declare it a draw. What's a draw in jury terms? A mistrial, terms? right? Or I, th- I think it's mistrial where you throw it out. Dismissal. Court dismissed. Well, some Britney defenders have brought out like old quotes against Extina. Like there's one from Mary J. Blige. It's from over 10 years ago, I believe, where she says like Extina has an attitude problem and that Britney's career is going to go further because she's more respectful and nice. So people are bringing that up. But that was a long time ago. And also, like, I feel like you feel like it was it's maybe she didn't want to, you know, take only 10 seconds to think of something and then spit it out and then it's going to get twisted or. Yeah, or it's going to sound messy. And like what what Lady Gaga, yeah, what Lady Gaga said was really good. 
but I also feel like she had rehearsed it ahead of time. Uh, yeah, Extina probably should have rehearsed something because her publicist yeah. probably should have known it was coming, but she should have just said, check my tweets from June this day. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly she, what she I She should meant. be like, exhibit A, here's my evidence for you. I have to go, my publicist is pulling me. And what Brittany really needed to do is to direct all that anger at Justin Timberlake. If anyone deserves it. If anyone deserves that hate. Yeah, fight the real enemy. Because, mm-hmm. like, if she went after Justin Timberlake, we wouldn't be arguing about who is right between Britney and Justin. We would be like, you're right, Britney. And, yep. you know, we'll hold your purse, we'll hold your frap, we'll hold your bag of Cheetos for you as you drag him. I'll grow more arms so yeah. that I can hold stuff for you <laughs> so I can watch you do this. Exactly, yeah. So let's end this part with Denny's, a little story yeah. about Denny's. Do you have Do you have Denny's in Canada? I feel like I've asked this before. We do. It's not as big of a deal as it is in America where you live. But we do have Denny's, yeah. Yeah, so Denny's, if you don't know, it's a chain of diners. It's all over the world. There's 1,700 Denny's out there. I mean, when I was in high school, I loved Denny's. We would always go, like, when I was a theater kid, like, after shows. And we would only order, like, coffee and share breakfast. So they loved us. Oh, my God. I was going to say, Denny's is cheap, though, right? Like, that's why it was kind of fun to go to when you were younger is because it was like kind of on the cheap side it's cheap but we still didn't have enough money for all of us so it would be coffees and a rooty tooty fresh and fruity yeah for six (laughs) wait that might be ihop uh yeah that's definitely ihop (laughs) whoop okay so same thing same thing so this is about how robots are coming to Denny's or serving meals at Denny's. And this all started on TikTok with user Mia Bellasio posted a clip from a Denny's of a robot delivering their breakfast. So the robot doesn't look like a human robot, though. It To me, it looks like a trash can with like two space shells on top. Yeah, it looks like something that you buy at Bed Bath & Beyond from Umbra. Yeah, or like a really big Roomba with shelves. It just rolls your food over from the kitchen and you grab it. That's what this robot does. And the TikTok user says that a human server poured their coffee and took their orders, (laughs) but the robot delivered their food and also came back to get their dirty dishes, which again, it doesn't grab the dirty dishes for you. Like you have to put your dirty dishes on its little shelf and it rolls off. Also, tell me if I'm wrong. I think the robot's name is Janet. Well, the robot is called a Servi. Okay. So, and it's made by this company called Bear Robots. And they said they made it, they made Servi to give servers more time with diners. That is not true. That is is not true. That is the, that is like the automation world being like, no, this is totally, this isn't because we're trying to phase out humans. And some, so some like you are afraid Mm -hmm. that robot servers are taking over human servers and that people are going to tip less to the human server because the robot is doing some of their job. Yeah, what does the robot need money for? To take, um, to take, um, what's her name? What's the maid robot from the Jetsons? Rosie. Rosie, to take her on dates. That's why it needs money. Yeah, and you know that Rosie demands Olive Garden or higher. Yeah, super refined restaurant. So, like I said, they people are afraid that Human servers are going to get less tips, but Fox Business claims that isn't so and that 
people that are using servers, human servers that get help from robot servers see an increase in tips. That's what they claim. Okay. Well, if that's true, then that's good, I guess. I guess servers deserve way more tips than they actually make. So but... are you are you into this or not? Or no, do you think this is, is the, well, you think this is a case of robots taking human jobs? Yeah, I don't trust robots to begin with, but I really don't trust them when they're um, doing human jobs. I don't like that because I, I know that it's only a matter of time before the human servers are gone and everything is robots. And then a robot's pouring your coffee, and then the robot's accidentally pouring it into your lap. Um, but what do you, okay, how do you feel when you saw the robot? I mean, it's Especially basically it just. A tray on wheels. I mean, it basically just rolls your food over. Sort of. But in that TikTok video, did you not see how wiggly the food was on that thing? Well, it's being rolled over on a Roomba. Yeah, like there's obviously going to be things in the way. Like it's a Denny's. Kids go to Denny's. There's probably going to be toys on the floor. It's going to hit toys. The Your Grand Slam or your moons over my hammy are going to fall off the robot. Then you got to wait longer for them to remake it. I don't know. I'm afraid that then next thing, the robot's going to ask you, like, how was your meal? And it will have a lie detector built in. Because no matter how, if my meal is horrible, I always say good. I always say, and oh, it, it's great. And then I turn around. No, it's not. And it does. The meal is almost always horrible. Are you kidding me? It's delicious. It's but yeah, good, the, but the, it's, the it's robot's going to have a lie detector. And the robot should also come with a um, pepper spray. Because you know, some Karen, if this robot brings the wrong meal, that robot's going to get it. I, I do hope that they outfit the robot um, to be able to say, hun. I want the robot to call me hun. That's the, that's the full Denny's experience. <laughs> So, Michael, remember when Adele claimed that she wasn't going to do a Las Vegas residency? I'm still crying over that. Exactly. She said that there was no room in Las Vegas. It was like a case of Mary, Jesus, and Joseph. There was no room at the inn. She couldn't find any place to have a residency. And she said, this is not going to happen and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Adele lied to us all. How will I ever trust anyone ever again, Allison? We need, we need to write our own albums about how we were scorned by Adele. Our own yeah. sad albums. Yeah. So... Start picking up what you're going to wear to the Grammys now because I smell winter. We're going to sweep. I hope so. Sweep up the parking lot because that's as close as we're getting to the Grammys. <laughs> that's a terrible joke. Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm not winning any comedy awards either. Um, so Adele is going to have a residency at Caesars Palace. And her residency is called Weekends with Adele. And so it's running from, you know, for a couple months, uh, I think until April. And from it's, January, right? Yeah, January this to April. January. Yeah. So you have four months to see Adele. And I guess it's only going to be on the weekends. That's why it's called We. I should hope so. Or they really fuck or the or the or the title name are really fucked up. <laughs> She's like, sorry, we couldn't license seven days with Adele. So we picked weekends. It sounded more fun than weekdays with Adele. But I mean, it makes sense that it's going to be weekends with Adele because you know the tickets are going to be so expensive, and people are going to people are going to be like that song "Working for the Weekend." <laughs> well, the thing with that is, there's 
there she's doing like a vip pre-sale first so you have to be like a verified fan yeah and if that pre-sale sells out they're not even going to sell to the public so you have to like get verified i mean those are going to sell out obviously for sure it's not going to be sold to the public so we don't have to worry about that (laughs) how do you get verified as a fan what they probably do is they you skype with someone and they play the first two seconds of of an adult song. If you don't start bawling and doing a sw- uh, slow wall slide, you're not a fan. So you, you don't make the no. You don't make the cut. They're like we're on second four, and there's barely a tear coming out of your eye. Next, um, speaking of wonderful announcements, Lindsay Lohan is engaged again. Michael. At least she has a, a ring to pawn off when this <laughs> this ends. No, it's gonna. It's it's not gonna end. This is love is going to blossom forever. Shouldn't we all be so lucky to have a ring that we could pawn at the end of a engagement? So her fiance's name is Bader Shamas. And according to his LinkedIn, he's the assistant vice president at Credit Suisse. And she lives in Dubai. So I don't know, maybe they met in Dubai. And this is her second engagement. She was engaged to Igor Tarabasov in 2016, which was kind of a big mess. Yeah, that that was a mess. Hopefully that this goes a little more smoothly. Yeah, I think it will. I feel like this is going to end with marriage. Like, I don't think this is going to be just an engagement at a ring pawn. I mean, I feel like Dina Lohan hopes that it <laughs> ends with a ring pawn. One thing about this news that shocked me. So I wrote about this on the site. Um, and, you know, I was bitchy, bitter, you know, my usual Mm -hmm. self. And I actually held back because there were some things that I thought were mean. So I didn't want it to be mean. So I cut some things that I thought were mean. Mm -hmm. So it's me holding back. And I still got an email (laughs) from someone who was like... Michael Lohan? (laughs) Dina Lohan, probably. But was like, you know, Michael, Lindsay deserves love too. And you don't have to be so bitter and mean. And, you know, she deserves to be happy. And I was just like... Really? Like Lindsay <laughs> Lohan, who said racist things not too long ago, who supported Trump, who tried to snatch refugee children off of the streets not too long ago. This yeah. is who you're going to bat for? Oh, who also <sighs> defended uh, Harvey Weinstein after all that stuff came out. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. this is who you're like defending. This is the hill you want to die on? There I are mean, so ev- many other hills. I know. Everybody has a stan i guess okay so we've heard a lot from will smith because he has a memoir out that he's pushing called will and he's got a movie king richard that he's king trying to richard. get an oscar nomination for exactly which i think he will i've got a feeling yeah he definitely will Mm-hmm. but so in his memoir and in like follow-up interviews for his memoir he's been opening up and saying everything someone needs to remind him he doesn't have to say everything he could literally just do like the men in black dance and we'd be fine with that. That would be an okay interview. But yeah. he's decided <laughs> yeah. to like get deep with it. So he's ta- he talks about relationships a lot. And in a passage that kind of recently made its way to the internet, he talks about how his first serious girlfriend cheated on him. And I have you ever been cheated on, Michael? Oh, yeah. Plenty of times. Okay. Well, you? how do you? Uh, yes. How, would, how did you deal with that? Revenge. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, for me, it was just crying. (laughs) Yeah, crying and moving on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, for Will Smith, uh, after he got cheated on, 
he decided that the best way for him to like heal emotionally and spiritually was to have sex with as many women as possible. And it backfired on That works on too. Him. Not women in my case, but yeah, that works too. Yeah, except with Will Smith, it wasn't like having sex with like 10 women. It was having sex with literally any, anything with a pulse, anything with a breath. And he said, I had sex with so many women and it was so constitutionally disagreeable to the core of my being that I developed a psychosomatic reaction to having an orgasm. It would literally make me gag and sometimes even vomit. Like imagine having sex with someone and they start vomiting and you're like, you weren't drinking tonight. So what is this? Yeah, I didn't know that was on the menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, barf play. I didn't know that. But it's also like, uh, why Why do we need to know this? Yeah, like Will Smith, please. I don't I don't need to pick. First of all, I don't know if I need to picture Will Smith having sex. Yeah, fucking and barfing, like coming from two holes. His mouth and his dick. No. And that he says he kept like he, he knew this was a thing and he kept doing it. The first time I'd be like, OK, I need to see someone <laughs> or I need to just hook up with people who are into barf play. So speaking of sex, but sex that doesn't end in vomiting, um, Don Johnson of Melanie Griffith's two time husband, John Johnson or Miami Vice Don Johnson or the Don Johnson of your choice. Um, he did an interview with Andy Cohen and they were talking about. Uh, having sex at 71 which is how old don johnson is so did you want to know what sex is like for don johnson right now michael it's fantastic it is that's exactly what he says he (laughs) says that he's better at sex than he ever has been and that he has it down to quote a science now and that he said that he joked that if he got reviews like yelp reviews that they would all be good and uh everyone would have good things to say and all that stuff so he's a fuck machine he absolutely is at 71 years old. I Let mean, me ask mirror- you this. Okay. Was that whole interview sponsored by Viagra? Cialis. <laughs> both. <laughs> both of them. <laughs> Two fist them. You need both of them at 71. No. Um, I mean, I when he says he's got it down to a science, I feel like he was probably starting out at a really good place. And then he just got better. Because like not everyone knows what it's like to be Don Johnson in the 1980s. And I feel like, here's my bad joke about this. If if sex at 71 was a science experiment, I feel like a lot of people will be that volcano experiment where it's just like a little bit of, a little bit of uh, fluff and it's kind of a mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ABC Live is like a thing that ABC has done where they kind of take old ABC sitcoms and they redo them in front of a live studio audience. I feel like it's ABC's version of like the NBC or Fox uh, musicals. Like, you know, when they do like Grease Live and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So ABC is like, we can do that, except we'll do sitcoms. So there will be no music. And they're doing the Facts of Life live. And they're doing Different Strokes live. So, Michael, would you like to know who is in Facts of Life live? Yes, tell me. Oh, okay, so first of all... We both need to stress. Facts of Life was a TV show. I don't know if you watched Facts of Life. Did you? Yes. Religiously. Yeah, me too. Loved it. So Facts of Life is about these girls who are at like a boarding school and they have... Yeah, they're high um, school. They're high school Yeah, it's age. a high school boarding school and they have a helper and her name is Mrs. Garrett and she's wonderful. She's like their house mother or whatever. So high school girls. So here is who has been cast in Facts of Life Live. As the role of Natalie, Allison Tolman, who was on 
the show Fargo. Yeah, Blair, she was on Why Women Kill, season two. Yes, yes. Uh, so she's an adult woman. Blair is being played by Jennifer Aniston. An adult woman, yeah. An adult woman. Joe, Catherine Hahn, another adult woman. Tootie is being played by Gabrielle Union, another adult woman. And Mrs. Garrett is Anne Dowd, which makes sense because Mrs. Garrett is an adult woman. But, but that's so weird, Michael, that they're like, Jennifer Aniston is a high schooler. <laughs> well, there's a theme because like the f- right. different strokes cast, they did the same thing, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. So Mr. Drummond is being played by John Lithgow. And Mrs. Garrett, who, of course, was a spinoff from Different Strokes, is also Anne Dowd, which I feel like that feels unfair. Anne Dowd can't take all the roles. I feel like Margot Martindale could have been given a chance there. But yeah, they, they could have they could have uh, switched her in, switched them out through scene, yeah. scene after scene. Yeah. Yeah. Anne Dowd got greedy. But anyway, for the children, uh, Willis is played by Damon Wayans and Arnold is being played by Kevin Hart. Yeah, <laughs> which I mean, which the Kevin feels... Hart is pretty genius. It's both genius and weird. Yeah, because Kevin Hart is an adult man, but he is also a very small man. Yeah, he's a little man, so that works. He's a short. And Kimberly, they haven't cast yet. They haven't no. announced it. It's probably with with what they've been doing. It's probably going to be like Faye Dunaway. <laughs> oh, if they can get her, they, they won't be able to get her. Yeah, but so what do you feel like, what do you feel about this ignoring the ages of the characters thing? <laughs> oh, you mean completely suspending belief in reality yeah. about the fact that Jennifer Aniston is in her 50s playing a teenager? I think it's actually very good. I think that Jennifer Aniston as Blair makes sense. I feel like it would have made a little bit more sense had Blair been, let's say, Reese Witherspoon, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that would probably have been better. Maybe. But I'm still into it. And I think that, like, Gabrielle Union is 2D makes a lot of sense. Catherine Hahn is Joe. I don't know about that. Joe is a real tomboy. Yeah, she can pull it off. But it's just, but it's the age thing. Because it's, (laughs) I can (laughs) see, you know, they they wanted probably to get bigger names. Uh So they're going to, that's, that's why they got adults to play children. But yeah. And Dowd, who is playing Mrs. Garrett, who is much, much older than the girls, and mm-hmm. Jennifer Aniston aren't even 10 years apart. Oh, my God. <laughs> so <laughs> they should have like, high school together. Yeah, they should have got someone much older to play I Mrs. Know. Garrett, like yeah. Betty White. No, actually, Betty White could have played all the young girls. Betty White is Blair. She could, but she would have been an awesome Blair and an awesome Joe, really. And an awesome... Uh, Natalie. She should have just done all the roles. But like, uh, you know who's probably pissed about this? Who? Ben Platt. Old ass people playing teenagers and they didn't call him. For our last segment, we decided to revisit a little jewel from the early aughts. So, Allison, you already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyways. Yes. What do these celebrities have in common? Okay. Mm-hmm. Paris Hilton, Zendaya, Pamela Anderson, Latoya Jackson, Donny Osmond, John Gosling, Kim Kardashian, and Miley Cyrus. Hmm. Were they all nominated for People's Choice Awards? Oscars. Close. Yeah, they were I, all no- nominated for Oscars. Tongue slip. Yeah. 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 
They were all part of promoting millions of milkshakes, which, to your shock, was a milkshake place in the early aughts. And it started in Los Angeles, but it had other locations. And it's where mostly Z-listers, some, you know, A, B, C, were, went, like, made appearances at. Like, for paparazzi came and they, like, made appearances, um, you know, posed with the milkshakes and shit. Yeah, they had, like, a, they had, like, a uh, step and repeat wall. Like, their thing kind of was, like, celebrity yeah, and the their thing was the celebrity. They would get the celebrity like a Latoya Jackson, and she would show up. They would call these photographers, and she would like serve the milkshakes, take pictures with the milkshakes, promote the milkshakes, and they did it a lot, like with everybody, like all the Kardashians, yeah, Paris Hilton. So let me give you like a brief history of uh-huh. it. So millions of milkshakes flagship store opened in two thousand and eight in West Hollywood. Yes. Now, it was opened by Shiraz Hassan. Mm-hmm. Um, he opened, years before, a Hollywood-themed diner in London. So he was about, like, mixing food and famous people. Yeah, he was kind of like, I would say, a post-Planet Hollywood situation. Yeah, on a smaller scale. And yeah. when he moved to Los Angeles... He didn't get into the milkshake business right away. He started Hollywood.tv, which mm-hmm. is still around, and it's like a rival to TMZ. So they, they cover gossip stories, you know, and they, they send out paparazzi to, like, interview celebrities on the street and at events, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it was pulling in hundreds of millions of views. So he decided to open up a milkshake place for some of these celebrities to pose at. Naturally, that's like the natural progression between TMZ-like website, milkshakes. Yeah, TMZ really dropped the ball by not opening, you know, a, a rice pudding place for celebrities. They had their chance, they blew it. Yeah, so millions of milkshakes. It didn't have a million milkshakes. Okay, there were 75. But close mm-hmm. enough. Close. <laughs> it's, um, it's just like a couple shy of a million. Yeah, almost there. And Shiraz, uh, he really used celebrity to sell that shit, as we said. So, like I said, he would bring in a celebrity like Lindsay Lohan or any else, anyone else who needed a check and some attention. Mm-hmm. And he got them to serve milkshakes. Uh, sometimes the, there were milkshakes named after them. And then Shiraz would invite the paparazzi. So there'd be tons of pictures and, you know, and it'd get attention. Yeah, and I would rem- I remember so distinctly the paparazzi pictures of them behind the counter. Yeah, they would sometimes they would like serve, they would pretend serving the customers. Like it was a whole experience. Yeah, they weren't just in there to take a picture like holding the milkshake. It's like, oh wow, they probably spent the whole day at millions of milkshakes and there they are in like the little apron and they're working the milkshake machine. And... No, maybe you only thought that, Allison. But everybody else knew yeah. that they just came in, grabbed that milkshake, smiled, took the check, left. I'm gullible. I'm very gullible. <laughs> we knew they were not really putting in the time. But, Clocking um, in and out. They got a timesheet. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like dozens of celebrities throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And Aubrey O'Day, Buzz Aldrin, <laughs> Shaq. Buzz Aldrin? Yeah, I saw pictures of Buzz Aldrin, Shaq. Jack A. Harry, and you can like if you go on like Getty Images, 
and you yeah. type in millions of milkshakes, you will see tons of pictures. And they're kind of mesmerizing because they would also, you know, the, the celebrity would be taking pictures with like a spoonful of, of milkshakes. So it'd be pictures like Pamela Anderson with her face full of white stuff dripping. Yeah. It looked like <laughs> millions of cum facials, basically. <laughs> and they would all do that. You know, they would like, they're so unflattering this cream they were so unflattering <laughs> like i hope that check was big um and oh, at its it peak was. millions of milkshakes had several locations including west hollywood dubai shanghai and kuwait but in 2016 the final millions of milkshakes in west hollywood closed i think the other locations are closed too so it was the end of a fame whore milkshake era which we are revisiting. Um, did you ever go, Allison, to Millions of Milkshakes? Okay, so I did. The first time that I went to Los Angeles was 2011. And there were certain things that I wanted to do in Los Angeles, and none of them were the traditional kind of celebrity things of like, oh, I want to go see the Hollywood Walk of Fame, or I want to do whatever. I was like, I want to go to Millions of Milkshakes. That was the number one on my list. Because the pictures made it seem like it was, it like, that it was going to be the best thing that I ever ate, right? Because why would these celebrities lie to me? Like, of course these celebrities are going to millions of milkshakes for the milkshakes, not the check. Well, and you thought that LaToya Jackson would be there serving you the milkshake based on these paparazzi pictures. I, I truly assumed <laughs> that it was going to be like a lineup around the corner that maybe I would run into, I don't know, Angelina Jolie or something like I thought this is what it was going to be I thought I was going to get the real Hollywood experience so I went to the flagship millions of milkshakes in West Hollywood there was no lineup there was nobody inside there it was completely dead it was a ghost town um upon walking in I don't even think I saw a person working there I was sure like I think this might be closed it wasn't and I remember exactly what I got I got the Miley Cyrus shake which is cookie dough and peanut butter cups and was it good cookie dough okay. and peanut butter cups okay that's what i get at um dairy queen okay that's so my blizzard that i get so i i like it okay michael i've mentioned on the podcast before that i there's no end to the garbage that i'll eat and generally i like i like really shitty food it was the grossest thing i'd ever eaten i felt so bad because i i made a special trip to go to it like it was, let's say, a Wednesday, and I'm like, this is the only thing I'm doing today. I'm going to millions of milkshakes. And I think it was expensive. I feel like it was maybe 11 bucks or something. I had a couple sips of it. It was so gross. They put the, like, Cool Whip on top, which I am not a fan of Cool Whip. I figured for 11 bucks I'd be getting at least real whipped cream, but I wasn't. And I threw most of it out, and I was so disappointed. It was really yucky. Did you leave a Yelp review? Like, LaToya Jackson didn't even serve yeah. me this. If I could I give could it zero do- stars, I would. <laughs> I couldn't do that to LaToya. I couldn't drag her into it. I didn't leave a Yelp review. I just felt, I was like really bummed out, to be honest. Because the pictures of the, like the pictures on Getty Images, although some of them look very disgusting, it makes it seem like this is going to be delicious. This will be the best thing I put in my mouth. And it was not the best thing I put in my mouth. Not by a long shot. Did you ever go to Millions of Milkshakes? No, I, I would. I went to the Ivy, and that's as and Kitson, and that's as far oh, as I, I would go. Millions of I, Milkshakes, uh, I couldn't do it. You know, that's too that's too low for you. I also went to Kitson, and again, that was a bit of a letdown as well. Yeah, but not as much are. as 
Not as much as millions of milkshakes. Because I think the thing was the milkshake was mostly cookie dough and peanut butter cups. So What's wrong with that? I mean, that's good. But uh, Michael, it that's too much, though. So the so the milkshake quality is what did them in, is what you're saying. Yeah, I think it was too just too much. They should have focused on the milkshakes, not the celebrities. And I think like they should have held on for a little longer till the TikTok era because imagine all these fucking TikTok <gasps> stars. Oh they, my they god. They would they would be there every single day for a the char- Charlie D'Amelio peanut butter banana milkshake. Yeah, they would practically move in next door because they would be making appearances there every other day. Uh, but yeah, so now rest in peace, millions of milkshakes. That's our little tribute. To yeah, milkshakes. At least we're thinking. At least someone's thinking about millions of milkshakes. Now, so. I mean, for sure. I will say I felt bad. A couple years later, I went back to L.A. and I drove past the millions of milkshakes because I thought maybe I'll try it again. Like maybe I was in a bad place mentally when I tried it the first time, and um, it was closed. Like. It was fully closed down, but the inside, I think, still had, like, the interior of it, and it really felt like a bummer. That was really not fun to see. Something that was soaring so high that <laughs> became that became a, just a place with a four-leaf sign on the outside of it. Yeah. I, I didn't like that. Uh, I didn't like that story arc. That was upsetting. So that ends our brief history of Millions of Milkshakes, um, Never Forget, and that ends this show. If you haven't rated or reviewed us yet, please do. If you've got a question or a note for us, you can email us at dtp at delisted.com. We'll be back next week. It's one of our last shows of the year. It's already the end of the year. I can't believe it. We need to count down our top stories. Where did it go? Tr- truly, I literally <laughs> thought that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle Oprah interview was last month. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> Till next time. Bye. Bye. I'm Miley Cyrus and I love millions of milkshakes.